folks, we had a great time talking about the great film director, Michael Cimino, and we eventually get there. So if you want to move ahead to the movie talk, that's around minute 34. Enjoy. The Finley, 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 other people get older and they go, oh, I'm getting older. And I roll my eyes and go, that's what we do. We get older. What's the fucking big deal? Right. But lately, lately the map of my face has become quite mottled, my friend. It's By the tracks of your tears. A lot of age spots. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, my granddaughter made a suggestion. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I took no offense because it's something that bothers me once in a while if I'm closing up in the mirror, and that's um, blackheads. They can go for. I, I have a. Uh, I have a big nose, and I can go a large, like a long time, which is a bunch of blackheads in there. Oh yeah, they're man. just there. They're just part of but the landscape. Want, I don't know about you, but I kind of like. I, I kind of like collecting nuts for a little while. <laughs> You mean in like a jar? No, no, just having them there. So when you go after it, it's like fucking. It's it's a worthy project. I feel like, well, your yeah. nose is like looks like Jimmy Durante at the end of that fucking session. Mine already looks like Jimmy Durante, but but um the the Inkadinko poo Inkadinko zetties. So the the blackheads though aren't something you can like. They're you can't really work them out. They're just sort of part of the landscape until you get something to take them out. So she suggested these little strips, and I've taken daily to now. I have these little nose strips that I put on, and I peel off some blackheads, and I feel like a douche. But also, it's just part of the price of, I don't know. Like I don't know if people are marketing age to us or, or whatever. But it um, anyway. So we wanted to talk about the. Um, I, I just thought it. Like, <laughs> Where the fuck does it's not going anywhere? That come in? I don't know. It's, okay. going, it's really not going anywhere. I just thought of it, but uh-huh. but uh, you you uh, I, I feel like we're a bit late coming to this. Um, Sort of topic or what have you. Um, and we're so not relevant. It doesn't matter. So it, let's just talk okay, about it. There's anyways. that. We're not relevant. But I thought we were like coming to it and you just learned of it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And that's the whole this sort of awesome. like whatever you want to call the the Gillette razor commercial controversy, right? I think this is interesting because you definitely knew about this first. And this yep. is about uh, toxic masculinity as a concept. So there's and, this concept. And so my question to you is uh-huh. how does it feel to be 50% of that? Toxic without the masculinity. How does that work? Is that just a? Is that a? That's lame... just be taking the piss out of you a little no. bit. There. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting ad. I've never heard of this. Yeah, you're right. I, this totally snuck up on me. I never heard. Well, of okay. There's a lot of things happening here. It's sort of like I I have a, a kind of a, a yuck reaction to this ad mm-hmm. campaign, mm-hmm. but really my first yuck reaction is not because um, people seem to be divided. Like, hey. You know, all you who are upset by this ad, you're the person we're aiming this toward. Like, toxic masculinity is a problem. And the thing is, some of the things they, they address in that ad, like like bullying, like sexual harassment, yeah, of course they're a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. And then there's the people who are like, um, oh, this is a stab, not a toxic masculinity. But just men. Right. And, yeah. and my sort of take is a third angle, which is this. I don't like advertisers who, like, your craft is not a moral one (laughs) to be coming at me with morality. Uh, I think that's a really good angle to take. Yeah, today is Martin Luther King Day. Right. It has always struck me as interesting that mm, people will use you that turn on the radio and it's like yeah. i had a dream of a comfortable bed I you know a dream with huge savings coming our way yeah. you know it's it's yeah. really sort of like marley the king's a, a perfect example of a day you know that's used 
just fucking horribly. Right. Right? Veterans Day is another one. Veterans Day sale on sheets. Columbus Day. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it used to be Columbus Day, right? right so right. so it's sort of like, um, why are these sort of... And by the way, advertisement, uh, advertising or the advertisement uh, for the craft or whatever is... Um, is an evil I'm amused by. It. Like I'm not even saying shut it down. Oh, like we yeah, have advertisement. Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of the just culture. More boobies, goddammit. <laughs> Make it happen. But just stop with the moralizing right. from an advertising point of view. Right, 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 it's right, very, right. very stupid. And by the way, I'm gonna say this. I've been caught up in it. So like mm. I like Colin uh Colin Kaepernick. <clears throat> I like I think sure. he I think he takes a righteous sort of stand, ironically. Mm-hmm. And so um Nike recently rewarded him, quotes around that, by making him millions of dollars as they're sort of like heroic sports person. Right, right. A lot of people objected. I even understand the objections. Like, that's not heroic. Like, what about our soldiers, et cetera? Okay, fine. Right. I get it. I get But I still liked him. Mm-hmm. And so my reaction sort of publicly was, you know, because I run, I buy like five or six pairs of running shoes a year. Right, I'm yeah. going to keep buying Nike. I really feel douchey about this. I'm gonna, Because I like what he did. And it's sort of like I fell victim to it too. Like, really, right. Nike, you make good shoes. And that's why I'm going to buy them. Fuck, you know, and call a cabinet to something good. And they're really two separate issues. Well, like, I think there's, a, there's the enormous issue of every time that there's like a sort of a, I don't know, a glimmer of societal hope going on. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a matter of time until somebody monetizes that advertising. Uh, yeah. That's why they're so fucking evil, right? And they, well, and they wait till it's already acceptable. I mean, just... Oh, yeah. They, yeah they, didn't take a, they didn't take a risk on Colin Kaepernick right. when he first came out. They waited until they, they, waited until they realized there was enough cachet. Because in advertising, yeah. it's, it's good or bad press. It doesn't really matter. Um, right? Maybe. Because you're still going to get the dime of the you still will probably get the dime of the people who hate Colin Kaepernick yeah. because a you're Nike you're going to get a certain percentage just based on that and then you're just going to get it because we're stupid in the moment in the moment the moment a word is introduced in our head it's just there like a flashing light yeah. you're going to go what am I I'm buy a shoe what am I going to do <laughs> Nike because I heard that word you know yeah, yeah. this fucking week so that's there's that too I don't know like this whole thing with I Gillette gotta, yeah with the whole thing with yeah. Gillette like here's my thing I got to say this this is this has been a long standing policy with me mm-hmm. I try not to do the embarrassing white guy think which is get defensive every time a black person calls out white people on some shit okay. just as an example sure all right and because uh, you find yourself doing stupid things like what if they if, what right. if it were right. like that's against yeah. men yeah, right yeah, yeah, like yeah. Sure. I don't, i'm not i'm not buying that that's the easy bullshit way out that's yeah. the embarrassing white guy way to approach anything that's coming at you rather than stop and maybe look at it right stop and just fucking look at it for a minute might change your mind a little bit uh-huh. everybody um, uh, so I'm not going to go with the Fox News version of this, right? Right. Of course, you know, yeah. No, you know, because fuck that. Because it's because it, it, it then there's nothing going on there. But uh, I really like your angle on it. Like fucking advertising it with the balls to try to get send us a moral message <laughs> is pretty fucking hilarious. It is hilarious. And by the way, I understand the spirit of what you're saying. I, I would sort of I would. Um, I, where I, I would rephrase it this way, with no defensiveness, because when you but say defensive take, is the problem. When you say I'm take, trying to avoid, right? When you say take, uh, you don't want to take the embarrassing white guy point of view. I'm going to come in, but really hear me out on this and say I don't even know that it's a white guy. I know that we've seen it in white guys a lot uh, in our lifetime, so that's easy. I totally yeah. get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I do think it's almost a human propensity mm-hmm. to sort of be like, "Why?" When, when someone's accusing your group. Right. Of something. But in this case, most people are punching up when they're punching at the white guy thing. So, yeah, no, right. you're absolutely right. It is a human but thing. But I, I understand what you're But saying. we're super noticeable for this shit. And yeah. I, it's just so fucking weird. I mean, toxic masculinity and all that. What about toxic 
feet. I don't know exactly what to call it on the other end, but what about all the women who are also coming in and saying, well, they just hate men. Like they're also coming in on uh, on the side of that as well. Women oh, you who mean, also are toxically masculine, I suppose. Oh, that they support, there's a structure of toxic, toxic masculinity that, uh, that yeah, they women support benefits as them. Well. Yeah. yeah. You know, women, women are shitty to themselves as well as men. It's not oh, just that's us. That's definitely part of the problem, I think. More to the point, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, the time. I, it's weird to me that they thought they could sell razors with this. It's just weird. Because, you know what it is? Oh yeah. fuck! Let me let me back this up. Please. I think I know why they did this. Okay? Because yeah. the guys that's going to mostly affect those are the guys who buy like Tom's razors or some shit like that. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like, probably, somebody, probably right. Somebody with like an artisanally crafted yeah. fucking wooden handle razor that they get from a it's place. It's going to now. Uh, by Gillette. By Gillette, right. Maybe it, I, I'm sure it's not going to have that huge an effect, but I'm sure it's going to have enough of an effect. They'll see maybe yeah. a spike in their incredibly, stupidly expensive razors. By the way, I'm the one who goes to Tom's fucking razors, too. I don't like well, but I don't, I don't like Gillette. They suck. They're fucking way expensive for nine razors on a fucking blade. I, I don't know. I buy whatever razor is, is available. I mean, I don't. I don't know that. I don't even know that I know the difference between Gillette and Schick and and these. I don't. I don't, I don't, remember. I don't know that there is technically any and, difference. And so them. the truth of the matter is, I, this changes me not one way or another. I, I mean, do I, do- it, I do the Dollar Shave Club thing. It, I got to be honest with you. Dollar Shave Club, by the way, mm-hmm. contact us. We need the sponsorship. <laughs> but I think I think that that Gillette's approach is super douchey and like fuck you. And you're those. <laughs> but also, I would up. never like. I'm now switching from Gillette. It's just a weird observation that advertising that we we actually fall for the idea that advertising or advertisement agencies have some sort of legitimate moral stake in all of this. Fuck you, right? Fuck you, Gillette. Right now, You're not you, on the, the other best. hand, you could come up with a razor that would like shave off liver spots. Joe would buy the oh shit out of that. God, it'd be so much less douchey than this fucking <laughs> nose thing I'm wearing in the evening. I'm packing it on like a little mud pack, and the cucumbers are next. <laughs> But it is, would, it yep. is a desire not to. Eat. I'm just like decaying there, like craving a, a salad suddenly. <laughs> a uh. Peach, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a weird situation. But you wanted. To, by the way, speaking of the whole MLK thing, you you um, were talking to me earlier about. I mean, I mean, MLK is sort of um, entrenched. He's he's the best. If Nazis are the best metaphor for things that are awful, <laughs> MLK is the best metaphor for things that are righteous the and good. The American version because there's also Gandhi. You got you got to okay, fair. You could pull him out of the hat. Too. I suppose so. Definitely. You know what? It's an interesting. I don't know. Okay, so I guess what I find fascinating about MLK is MLK was a great man. I think there are, in fact, sure. What I think the problem. Wait, you say that like there's. <laughs> Well, listen to where I'm going with this, okay? Because one of the things that seems to have happened, and this might, I think, maybe have to do with what we were talking about, the immaturity that's sort of taking over, that's sort of taking us over a little bit as a country and culturally speaking, Mm -hmm. is this belief that a great man must must therefore be a pure man, like a purely, like a pure man. Infallible is another way of putting it, I suppose. But, But definitely like a pure man, one who has no flaws. And that's simply... You know, I, I, that's that, that's that's a, a thing that we're overlaying on what we purport to be our heroes these days. That we haven't always done that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that MLK has sort of shown down the years. You know, in that same light, even though we know yeah. now that he cheated on his wife a bunch. I mean, yeah, he yeah. definitely was a flawed man, as we all are, right? Yeah, yeah. But loved his fucking loved his red meat. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Hashtag. I don't know. You know. Oh, I see. What you're- <laughs> like, like now, <laughs> you're not a good man, by the way. Right. You're gross, man. I freaking love. Um, I love yeah, okay. you know, my wife is um, the uh, uh, 
closest thing I know or person I know to uh, a religious person who's like reasonable and, and sort of has an understanding of, of, in her case, Christianity, the Bible. Sure. And, you know, she, I, so I'm relying on things that she sort of told me because I'm too lazy to read the Bible and, mm-hmm. and prefer to watch and it's a hard and Hester. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> she, she sort of likes this version of Jesus as, as first of all, the imperfect <laughs> sort of hero, right? But but also that like Jesus loved the imperfect people, right? So like Jesus loved the whores, and Jesus Jesus loved the you know the people who wait a minute whores not perfect, you know what I'm saying though. But it's sort of like <laughs> it's interesting that like we have you know as a sort of um, archetype for by the way for Martin the King himself mm-hmm. somebody who was so imperfect, and over time we actually want it more perfected. Sure, because the older archetypes you know Greek and 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 the sort of Roman. Miss, they're they're fuck ups. I mean, the heroes are are you know Odysseus or whoever. They they just fuck everything. I know I'm oh, yeah, Odysseus yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's Martin the King, but but the point is like wow. our right. heroes used to sort of inherently have flaws, and gods have That's flaws. That's part of why they were our heroes, right? In a way, right? The best, they were the bigger the version of us, clawing out his eyeballs, yeah, spooning them out. But 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 um, but for some reason, I, I wonder what. I guess the Puritanism is one answer, but like what came along to sort of make it so that. You know, we revisit Gandhi, another, you know, and you mentioned him before, and it's like, you know, it turns out he raised his hand to his wife, mm-hmm. and he, you know, or he was a little bit racist about this stuff, and it's like, yeah, of course I want to know that context, but it's like, right. for what purpose? And I guess it's part of, like, you know, increasingly the modern sort of, like, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know, culture mentality that it's like, we really want to focus on the flaws. I guess so, but maybe maybe what we've done is we're trying to sort of di- divest our quote unquote heroes. Nobody's gonna, oh God, help us. Probably there are some. Now that I'm thinking about it, there are some people who are like, oh, love those. I want to be just like one of those housewives at fucking Beverly Hills oh, or something yeah. like that. But, huge part of But maybe culture. there's a part of us that's sort of separating those two functions out: the hero, uh, MLK, versus yeah, maybe you're a hopeful fucker. I actually I, think I, what happens is we want to tear. I'm strangely fucking optimistic these days. We're gonna talk MLK about that. down. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know. No, but I mean... Because I don't see color. I understand. But in a way, it's sort of like... It, it also is, I, I think, the new approach to things. So it's like, you know, at some point, we're going to talk about someone else. I won't even mention his name, but I, I think we're rare to talk about him on some episode. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's who's been sort of um, ostracized for the last year, who recently, <laughs> sort of, who, who recently sort of came back, and came back in a Uh-oh. very sort of dark, fuck you way... And I have a theory, and he's not the only one that's done it. When, when for instance, comedians or entertainers, um, the what recently what's happened is you're sort of like cast out. You can claw your way back up, bow by the ankles a million times, mea culpa, mea culpa, and maybe we'll let you back in. Maybe. And I think what some public figures are starting to do is, when I come back in, I'm going to come back in every bit as dark as when I left because I don't want it on the table that I'm coming back in under the conditions that I'll be good. Right. If you accept me, accept me as the dark motherfucker I always was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's part of our like the learning strategy we have now. It's probably what will make Malcolm X actually possibly outlast Martin Luther King in our consciousness because he has. We always had these sort of like, well, no no pun intended, like dark opinions of him. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing to sort of like come back from <clears throat> Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King has only to fall. And, and and I was talking about this when we were talking about our Sidney Poitier um, um, episode, and I think Martin Luther King's a, a greater example of it. There's a reason we like Martin Luther King 
more than Malcolm X, more than Michael Evers, more than whoever it is. uh, Martin Luther King didn't actively say, I want to kill you. Like that, definitely. Which is a reasonable thing to say if you're, you know, a black leader from the 1960s. And at the same time, reasonable not to want to have it said about you. Absolutely. So we we pick the safest choice. We pick pick the the Sidney Poitier who's, who's, who's fighting the righteous fight, but also always has his arm around, you know, um, uh, and in the heat of the night, um, what the fuck is his name? Rod Steiger, you know, like he makes friends and he makes a friend out of the racist white um, right, sheriff in the right, end. Right, you know, right, and Martin right. the King, like let's let's you know, nonviolent. It's like this guy's our guy, not the guy with the gun. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I mean, I don't mean to demean Martin King, but what I'm saying is like that there's a reason, and and then and then in the end, we fucked them anyway. We found a flaw in him, right? <sighs> like, yeah. Just go with a person who's the most honest. That makes it sound like I'm calling one of being dishonest, but you know what I mean, like most honest to our sensibilities. Right, 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 right. So Malcolm X, right? I guess that's our next guy, uh, right? We need to get those tattoos right, friend. Let's go. How would you rank uh, Martin Luther King next to our current president, by the way? Is that huh? True? I'm sorry? <laughs> Hello? You've been talking. Would you rather, would you want to, uh, <laughs> would you like a slice of pepperoni pizza from New York, or would you like I made a poop on a plate? Well, I'll tell you why, because it is um, our vice president, Mike Pence, who recently tweeted that they, uh, that our president has the most in common of any other president to Martin Luther King. King. That and was yesterday, I think he said that, right? Speaking to the American people's dreams. Just, hold on, this is, that's the sound of my head hitting the fucking microphone. Yeah. God, it wasn't it's a very, very it's a soft it was not a very good sound. It's nah, fucking it's terrible. On it. it's it's worse out. view too. But uh. but yeah, I mean I mean obviously I, I don't think anyone besides Mike Pence or if if he would sort of uh, agree even, with even that. Even he was like, God <laughs> damn, did I just <laughs> did say I that? Just compare those two. <laughs> but now we're trying to figure out. We were in this com- we had this conversation today with somebody, and it's like we're, we're like, trying to figure out uh, what this all means. Like in impeachment, I think he's going to be reelected. But what what is it all like? What are we going to do? We've had two years to sort of be reeling. God now what? I, we're in the weirdest possible fucking place right yep. now. I think really we really are. Here's the thing, like. The only okay, let's let's just say impeachment, right? Let's say he's mm-hmm. done some things that need to be impeached for, and it seems to mm-hmm. me that maybe those are actually a proven thing. We don't point. know yet. I mean, the, this investigation this thing promises this, things that would yeah, indicate that exactly. This, right. this thing where maybe. he told, where he apparently told his lawyer to lie to the Senate, you know, like mm-hmm. that's yep. impeachable if that comes out to be true. Okay, so let's just say we're in this weird fucking twilight zone mm-hmm. where impeaching him might not be the best possible option. Sure, like there are. There are many arguments to be made for not impeaching this guy, just just based on the fact that the people so disenfranchised by the American way of life that they've gone out and voted for Donald Trump will now have their worst fucking nightmares proven true. Which is that this sort of... There's conspiracy afoot to keep them from getting their choice. Right. Right, which is in this maybe true-ish in a sort of a way, yeah. but not in the way that they think that it's true. But does it really matter? And the problem with those people is they're hard to argue with, and they've got a lot of guns, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a part of me that's like, fuck, it would be more trouble to impeach this guy. And then that's that. Then there's the part of me going, oh, that's how Trump won, because I'm willing to go the easy route rather than yeah. you know stick to the guns of actual legal uh, legal precedent and morality here. Well, there's also a mechanism working, um, not not present with this person. That's mm-hmm. that's present in most um, American leaders, I would say, so far, and that is um, embarrassment, guilt, and shame. He didn't have it. Ultimately, ultimately, someone like Nixon, 
Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, I've yeah. heard I've heard people make good arguments that Nixon was a decent president. Yep. I don't agree, but mm-hmm. I've heard good, decent arguments about it. Had a sense of like, what will this look like to my legacy? Like, mm. how do I maneuver this? Like, I'm talking pure self-preservation ego attached to your guilt and shame, right? Right. right. There's nothing you could do to Donald Trump that would not, where he would not leave the situation entirely believing that he he was the best at it. Yes. There's right. nothing you could do. Right. You can't shame him. There's no shame. No, there's no ability to shame him. Exactly. He doesn't have he's, those he's, essential. He is he's a psychopath. Beyond, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's beyond that. That is the weirdest thing. And I think I might have mentioned this before, but like right yeah. now, we are at this point where the best thing, the best fucking thing you can say about our president, uh-huh. the best possible case scenario is he's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Like he's severely mentally ill. That's the best thing that's because if he's doing this on purpose yeah. without that, without that covering alibi, it's a fucking nightmare. No, no, it's like, even worse. He is out of. I do. I, I, I truly believe that there's a, a, a mental illness of some sort mm. afoot here. Um, and, and this is not a new observation, but it leaves me with a, a worse thing, which is that it's not about him. It's about all the people behind him. Oh yeah, well there, the, there is that. Yeah, and the and the people I know who are good people mm-hmm. who are behind him, like that. That there's who is that. I have I know of quite a few people who who are essentially good people who who right, who dad def- yeah okay there's a few people but the, my point being so so it's more about the mechanism like like everything about the mechanism of how our government has worked in the last 250 years or, or whatever mm. it's been has always had underlying a sense of like well nobody would let that happen right and now we've reached the point where somebody would let it happen. There isn't, isn't there? There's like a stop. There's a there's a safety valve of, of just decency right. that is no longer relevant. Because you used to go, you, if somebody said, you know, in um, in eighteen twenty seven, should we make a rule about somebody pulling their penis out and running around Congress? Everyone would say, well, that's nobody who would, would be elected that. would do that. We're not at that place anymore. Right. Yeah, it is conceivable that somebody could do that, isn't it? <laughs> well, that one Fuck, person let's, would. <laughs> let's go with you and me. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Fuck, I don't know, man. It's yeah. such a we're such it's such a crazy place. But then yeah. we've been. I mean, there's a part. There really is, and this is just being just totally honest to hear. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like it's failed the exper- the grand experiment. Yeah. Maybe it maybe it, it just can't lead. Oh, for a, maybe it can go for a period of time, but it seems yeah. we're past that time. I don't well, know that I trust democracy now. I don't know that the how's that for fucked up. I don't know that the um, the Germany and then the um, you know um, Austro German Empire and whatever whatever form Germany is now that it has taken previously. Um, I don't know that you would say mm. it's failed. I mean, you know, did it have a, it's a failing point? In the last century, yes. <laughs> well, so you're saying we're, we're, we should look forward to some rubble in our near future. Yeah, I mean, maybe, it's... maybe that's what it takes. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe that's what we mean by with the, the tree of liberty and the the blood of patriots. Uh, the blood of really of a, of a very stupid people needs to go into the. I'll tell you what, we sound very podcasty right now. I sound like two guys who have a podcast. <laughs> you know, oddly, <laughs> the blood of patriots. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Stormfront, everybody. I mean the big the big um, the big Stormfront. Org. The big element right now is just seems to be completely focused on this wall. I mean, never, you know, Robert Frost. Fucking, there's wow. Wall. Talk about a man who wrote about it, wrote well about a wall, huh? Yeah, but also it's sort of like it's Makes it's good neighbors. The thing with not just this present, to be fair, with our culture now, is um, we have a dangerously loose um, 
grasp of, but overuse of metaphors. <laughs> so it's you know, uh, so an, over, wall, and an over-reliance on them, perhaps? I don't yeah, know. But, yeah. But, but yeah, so it's like, so it's like the wall <laughs> the becomes wall. this sort of thing. Well, I was- um, I The learned, Great Wall of America, we could call it, <laughs> to keep the barbarians out. But the thing is, you know, I, I, would, I did some exploration about this recently, and, and the whole thing with walls, <laughs> even the, now, there are walls all over the world in countries that we think of as egalitarian and democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, like Israel, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Um, but you know what I mean? I mean, we're tempted Mm -hmm. to say Israel, Palestine, or like the, the Berlin wall or like, and compare those as the only sort of examples or, Mm. you know, or tyrannical countries to, to our sort of building this wall, but lots of countries have walls. And one of them that I found was really interesting was Spain still has, um, a declared small, small, I'm talking a few, um, cubic miles or, or square miles, cubic miles, square miles um, in Morocco. Really? Um, that's it's part of Spain and it's inside of Morocco. Right? Fuck off! Really? Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a the whole you know expulsion of the Jews yeah, 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 and the, yeah, yeah. the Moors and that whole sort of area, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, Spain's got Spain and Morocco this really interesting relationship. Sure. But um, as a result, because Morocco is a North African country that is um, unlike you know anything near it, Algeria, Mali. I mean, it's actually a sort of um, Western friendly, it's pretty open mm-hmm. with its own borders. Right. And so a lot of um, Africans who are fleeing, um, you know, unsavory situations in their country, let's say, heading north, wanting to go up to Europe. They find themselves waiting in Casablanca <laughs> and waiting and, and waiting. waiting. Sorry, I can help that. Um, and it was a great reference. And, and so they head to Morocco and it's like, now what do we do? And it's like, we could try to sort of figure out how to get across the Strait of Gibraltar or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's going to be no good. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is there's this sort of absurd thing. If you can get over the wall in the Spanish territory inside of Morocco, mm-hmm. they have to let if you can get there and run to the consulate. Really? And so there's this absurd. It's fucking awesome. It's almost, like they unleash hounds behind you or something. No, it's like, almost like it's a mad, 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 mad world. Chance. People yeah, are like yeah, yeah. are pole vaulting over this wall <laughs> or like pole vaulting on mass. So one of them's like like the great escapes out um, to get dis- to distract the guards, uh-huh. and then the other one is the one meant to get through. <laughs> and so every day, like two people make it to the consulate, and once wow. they're there, it's like okay, you may. And it's How's almost like, like a, a game? job description, man. Like I'm that's what I do. It's the I'm running the, man. Yeah, I'm the guy who like runs at the wall to detract him from you. That's <laughs> I can pay I'm paying for my my yacht out here on that. That's there's fucking a, awesome. There's a competitive fairness like a coyote, to it. But cool, like you're, it. Getting, like you're taking some hits. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> you're fucking nailed by rubber bullets on occasion. That's right. Well, the guards do, do take black paint and paint like a tunnel into the wall. And <laughs> yeah, acne's making a killing. But but um, but yeah. So I thought that was like a, a uniquely sort wow. of fair story about these people. It's like if you can get in. Then you're in, but we're going to try to keep you out. That's right. the deal. Um, there's well, that. but that our wall, the, our wall would not is not held in that uh, yeah. in that vein. But the other thing is, and, and I hate I hate it when my attempt to be fair brings me to the side I don't like to be on. This is my my clinging to ideology. Oh, but another thing I thought was, um, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't I don't support the wall, but but there is something sort of interesting here, and that's that. Yeah, it's not hard to imagine that someone like Bill Clinton was also you know very very much a hawk on like immigration illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that Obama until recently. <laughs> 
um, had set the record for deportations, you know, it, you know, because they're they're presidents, right? Yeah. But apparently, <laughs> during the Clinton administration, Barbara Jordan, who was a civil rights leader, one of the first um, African American female um, um, Congress uh, women, um, became a hawk. Mm. On this, and so I, I was listening to some tapes of of Barbara Jordan, mm -hmm. you know, like the most progressive person on the planet, pushing Clinton's agenda, and her her main thing was immigrants will take our jobs, of course. And it's sort of interesting. It's you know, it's like um, Trump's a piece of shit. I mean, I just think he's a piece of shit, and I think he's a racist <laughs> piece of shit. But right. when I go back um, to like New York Times news articles where he he um, he he took out a, a one page ad in the New York Times calling for like the execution of the Central Park Five, who turned out to be innocent. The boys who've been wilding oh, yeah, in the park, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like fuck you, you fest. piece of shit, garbage. But right. the thing is, Hillary Clinton was also talking about like the predatory animals and like pointing to that case at the time. And it's not, mm -hmm. it isn't, it isn't. I'm not equivocating because I don't think it's equal. Neither do I think we should just shut our eyes to when our our ideology or side. Oh yeah, of course. Well, but we do. No, I, I, but I of do course. It. We, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and 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 granted, we're, th this is the easy one too. The, but the, but uh, you know, the part where mm, like our you know our person's out of power. Yep. Yeah. So what? So let it go. So we're talking about now. You know, like yeah. like that thing right there. There's a, there's right. a thing where people who are like you know the the people I know who are yes. like either po either for Trump or against Obama right. are will will do nothing you know he's out of power so now they're doing nothing but bringing that back right, right? which we would do the the op we'd, we'd do course. the obverse of in the situation right. where our yeah. person was in power it, that that's part of the problem yeah overall which is it, it's making it very hard Take to come to any view. kind of fucking agreement yeah. uh, well certainly on anything to do yeah. one way or the other on this and we're talking about this wall i think what what's my exam i think my thing with the wall i have to say one of my is is they, they never really work they no. don't work as advertised the yeah. wall isn't built to actually keep people out because walls are easy to fucking outsmart all right they're very yeah. easy to outsmart they're not it's not really there to keep people out it's to make us feel good about the fact that people are being kept out it really is a PR gesture, much more than it is anything. It's a PR gesture in concrete and my tax dollars. That's my, obje that's my objection. Also, th that we underestimate what people are capable of is not surprising. But that we're always surprised that we underestimated what people are capable of. You know, 9-11, and it's like, oh, right, two jets could be like two missiles. Like, that's the first time that occurred to you. And it's the same thing with the wall. Like, who the, we don't They've even know what people will do. They've never fucking worked. People go around walls. People go over and they go under them. The Great Wall of China is, is, is actually the thing I think ours is most analogous to, yeah. with the Great Wall of China. And that didn't fucking work either. The yeah. walls just don't actually work. This yeah. is not going to work. It's the people manning the walls. That's the, that's the situation. It's the, it's the human material you throw at a problem like this. Now, that being the case, I also am into the, I am also really, if they make it across the wall, fucking welcome. Yeah, I, yeah, yep. Yeah, if you can make it across and take my job, God bless you. Your job especially, Tom. Yeah, my job. <laughs> no, your job especially. It's going to be probably. amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's fucking... I think we should move on to the movies, but I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to introduce a half topic, because it actually, the, the back end of the topic is, I think, something Hello, else. my name is Danny DeVito. <laughs> You're the half topic? Yes, that's right. That's a, that's a good Danny my, Me and my twin, Arnold. Oh, thanks, Arnold. Go on. 
Um, and I, I think <laughs> I you'll see why in a second. It. Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is a um, mm. uh, comedian, I, best known for SNL, um, African American, tall, very tall. Mm. Um, I think she's actually fucking hysterical. I think she's uh, super talented. Okay. Um, there was a, a while back, this is sort of unrelated, when um, Milo Yapanapovich, I forget his name, like <laughs> sort of like um, Milo, uh, Milos gay sort of alt-right um, um, provocateur, um, was ousted from his platform on Twitter because he made fun of her. I, I thought that was unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought she, of all people, she as an artist probably should have stood up for him, as hard as that would be, because you get to freely express that you don't like somebody or make fun of them. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I like her. Um, but I found something really ironic, and it's this: um, I Jason Reitman, who's Ivan Reitman, the director's son, yes, who is a great director in his own right. Mm. Jason Excellent. Reitman is now doing a third reboot on Ghostbusters. Fuck off! Because the one from I guess like 2015 like, wasn't rebooting just enough. a couple of years ago, right? It's, uh, no, we're not talking a, a sequel to the reboot. We're no. talking a full reboot, right? Because that one wasn't very successful. And he's like, "I'll do it again, uh, but better." Uh, and God damn it! Well, here's that's what I like about it. Thing. It's totally fucked up. But <laughs> Leslie Jones is like, "What? That's insulting!" And I sort of feel like, "Wait, wait, Leslie Jones." Yeah, I think it was insulting. <laughs> anyway, it was insulting. On. Yeah, on the flimsy premise that you were going to re- reboot or remake. Let's use the old word, Ghostbusters, to simply like regender it. Right, right. We're there going was after nothing, the, no right. other thing that was going to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And actually, so so I call it a half topic because I actually think the temptation, we could talk another hour about, about remakes. About remakes. Yeah, let's, let's do that God sometime. I believe we ought. But I just I just find her to be kind of ridiculous in the situation. Like, look, you're complicit, Leslie. I'm just trying to think, what what exactly? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm, what's her motivation for, for even coming out on that? I don't know. But is she a fucking purist? <laughs> What's yeah. the purest about Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy that movie, but it's not a great movie. It's not. It's barely a good movie, in my opinion. Uh, I think that there are moments of, of sheer enjoyability to be mm. had. This is true of a great many things that are ultimately not great. Okay, well. well including this podcast. Boom. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. Nothing's enjoyable about this podcast, sir. Okay, let's move on to <laughs> our uh, movie, sir. Now, we... Um, we want to pronounce this guy's name correctly. So, so we're talking about Michael Camino. You son Camino. of a bitch. Is it um... Cacaminio? Cacadoodle do a minio. It's actually Chimino. Chimino. It's Chimino. Chimino. Michael Chimino. It sounds like a new fucking. Sounds like a new Starbucks drink. Would you like the new espresso Chimino? Oh my god. Tom. Iced or hot, Senor, on the Chimino. Oh, he's working on his bits here on our podcast. He's working on his bits. Don't what's do some of his, your sketches. What's for with us. his Michael Chimino? Sounds like something some, good at Starbucks. Do some of your skits, Tom. <laughs> okay, so Michael Chimino, <laughs> who um, now we came about this podcast in a weird way. Do you mind if I reveal that? Oh yeah, I was going to talk about that myself if you didn't. Okay, so, so we were we so were going go ahead, to you fucking. Well, hack. actually, the original thing was that. Tom turned to me with one of his classic horrible ideas and said, "Let's do a James <laughs> Woods episode." To which I, I, I held, I held. Maybe this will be good. Let's see where it's going. So Tom says, "Yeah, but I can see it in your eyes." Let's do the Deer Hunter, which James Wood is not in the Deer Hunter. Yeah, right. All right, so we retooled nah, that. That's we not said, a good let's, point. Uh, let's do. I swear to God, I thought he was in the Deer Hunter. It's not fucking James Wood. It's what's his name. It's, uh, yeah, it's what's his name. So we'll get to that. So, so this um, comfortable hunk of Let's do a Vietnam ass. episode like this. Yeah. So we we're gonna do the Green Berets yeah. and the Deer Hunter. John Wayne and the Green Berets. And because we're both busy and cheap. Yes. 
we were like, we can't, I can't find a good place to stream this. So we actually just ended up doing a Michael Cimino <laughs> episode. Cimino. Cimino episode because he directed um, both of our films. So we're going to start with 1974's Thunderbolt. And Lightfoot. Yeah, this is a- Not f- to be mistaken for Freebie and the- Be. There was like this whole slew of movies and, and Ten Speed and Brown Shoe based on like two characters in this vehicle. It's a buddy, having, buddy. Yeah, having two, having like nicknames and we yeah. put those in the title and that's what the title is. Yeah, that's- this part is one of, of those. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's a this 70s is, phenomenon. This is 1974. So, so you know, Clint Eastwood's already done everything from like, you know, obviously Rawhide, but also like um, he has, he, no, he has he's, yet to do every which way but loose. But he's done like two Dirty Harry movies, yeah. High mm-hmm. Plains Drifter yeah. for a few dollars more. He's an established star, and of course, yeah, all the all the the Italian uh, the Italian ones, multi um, genre, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's Clint Eastwood. Um, still looking studly Eastwood. Oh yeah, man, he's still yeah, good looking dude. Yeah, looks like he could fight. Yeah, and then an even studlier young George Kennedy. <laughs> That's right, of course, George <laughs> Kennedy. You're right about that, but also Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yes. Um, who I think the dude had two years earlier done like Fat City, which we've done on this right. podcast. He was before. he was right at the beginning of his career. He, Bo had been sort of popular before him with no. Last Picture Show, but and mm-hmm. a couple. Oh, for the love of Ivy. Of course, mm-hmm. right, and then but, and then his dad, of course. Uh, um, oh wait a minute, no, no, no. Yeah, this is dad, uh, Lloyd, uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges. Bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, an old, an old actor. Uh, right. So, anyways, but this is like one of his first movies, and he is just. Just a beautiful, cupidic-looking man-child, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is that fair to say? They actually have to dress he's him pretty. up in awful clothes just to sort of even him out with Clint. Yeah, Because he's, it... he's that much better looking than even Clint, who was attractive. I guess so, He's yeah. Adonis-like. But now, but, but now help me out here. Was he dressing him up in shitty clothes, or was that just 1974? No, There's no. There's a remember, little bit of both going part on Part of here. the plot is, is, we'll talk about this later, but where they steal the, the, the car, and it has all this horrible clothes in the back. For some reason, Clint Eastwood gets some decent-looking clothes, and Jeff Bridges has, like, white <laughs> Patent leather shoes, right? And, and white crotch, <laughs> white fucking plum smuggling pants. Yeah, he's got like fupa fitted pants. Mm, yes, not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. Fupa fitted pants. <laughs> I, I mean, look, here's a movie. By the way, I he's think got that, camel too. I think loose knuckle for sure. I think that this is um, this is a movie. I thought about this before we talk about it, and it's mm-hmm. that. Y- it, it, it would be very easy for us to get just completely scrambled and lost trying to sort of break down the things that happened in this movie. Yeah, this is a ridiculous... Well, okay, in that sense, like, the plot is somewhat ridiculous in this movie. Fair to say? Not just it ridiculous. It really doubles back. It doesn't make any sense. All, I imagine that the, 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 the script looked like um, spark notes. <laughs> okay, because all right. There's, because there's nothing... Fair enough. There's not much... In the dialogue or characterization or action of the film, that actually folds open completely. Ooh. I mean, I mean, okay, this, I get what you're saying. Yeah, this is you know. Here's the, let me put it this. Let me, this is what I was thinking as I was watching yeah. it. It's less of like a well thought out movie, more like a pastiche of kind of buddy slash uh, caper movies of that time period. Yeah. It really it just sort of captures that. We got we got okay. We got Jeff Bridges. We got uh, Clint Eastwood. There are two mm-hmm. types. We got archetypes just bouncing off the fucking wall in this thing, right? So so Clint Eastwood is, is the, eventually the mentor, but the he's mentor. sort of like the older criminal, right. with a older heart criminal of gold. who knows what he wants, who take with a heart of gold, right? right? Who takes the younger criminal under his wing, and of course the slightly older, begrudgingly, 
Yeah, Always that. at first, but yeah. then with increasing acceptance as it goes yeah. along, and then ultimately it leads to love. And then George Kennedy is a ex. I mean, you understand this is like this is like just a it's kind of a slam bang mixture of this kind of movie as much as I understand. anything else. And George Kennedy is 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 his uh, old partner, old partner who feels betrayed and spends the first part of the movie trying to kill him, and then gets involved and, and let's and do another caper because they're together trying to kill both of them. But but here's an example. So like at the beginning of the film. Jeff Bridges has stolen a car. Right. He's driving down what I from think a, at that from point a, from a parking lot from a from a car lot. He's he's stolen like a Firebird. He's driving madly through, like by some cornfields mm-hmm. in uh, in Idaho actually. And now Clint Eastwood at the same time has been posing sort of a la Richard Burton in Night of the Iguana as a, as a priest to to, to escape. Yeah, that's right. His, his would be assassin, his, his horrible past. And yeah, in, in George the, Kennedy catches up with him and he's shooting at him in a cornfield. And as um, Jeff Bridges is coming down the highway toward the cornfield, right? It's actually not George Kennedy shooting him; it's someone else. Sorry, but yeah. but in any case, so, uh, representative of George Kennedy, something evolves where Jeff Bridges almost runs over Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood climbs in the car, and they move on, and they, they become bonded from there. Now, by the way, what I just said bonded. sounds like the pitch you'd give, right? right? <laughs> One person escaping, and the other person escaping, they meet up and they bond from there. But actually, almost nothing more than that literally happens in the film. Right. It's Mm -hmm. a complete acceptance. Like, I'm now jumping in your car. Who are you? A criminal. Me too. Let's move on. Right. And it's like, It beggars beggars the fucking imagination and credibility all the way. It doesn't bother me in the usual way. No. Like, um... Like, uh, that's not credible. And it doesn't give me the other reaction. Like, ah, it's an action moving. Suspend disbelief. I just was sort of marveling. It, it, it made me look at the, the making of the movie. Right. Like, who greenlit? It's just a weird idea that there's, right. no, there's never any exposition well, I or development. watching and going, well, I guess if they didn't, then this movie would be short. That's just <laughs> exactly it. Exactly what's happening with this movie. And, they, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they steal a car from a couple... You know, in some sort of comedic scene that's actually this now is another, it's, it look brutal. That's another thing about this movie. Is it a comedy? Is it? It has with. It ends. Is it a comedy that ends up like the uh, like uh, fucking Midnight Cowboy? I mean, it's fucking weird. You know, there's another movie um, that's much much better than this called The Perfect World with Kevin Costner. I love it also that, had I love I, that I fucking too. movie. I think it has the same quality. It's de- it's not a comedy, but it has moments where you're meant. It's meant to be touching or like you know nostalgic. Right, with 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 like kind of an odd folk country music background, uh, song music going on at the same. time. Is it any is it any wonder that both were directed by Clint Eastwood? Well, not not directed, but produced by Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, no. So that's that's fair. Yeah, about that's not, I hadn't realized that at the time, but yeah. So, well, okay. okay. I mean, look, it has all of the sort of callings of Clint Eastwood, like that sort of like wry smile at mm-hmm. something that's that's uh, you know, ma- it, there's male bonding. I mean, all our previous Gillette conversation, it doesn't actually seem toxic except for all the so killing. They get a lot of guns and they're going to go rob banks. Yeah, other than that. Um, but, it, but essentially, <laughs> it, it, it's like a movie that for the first hour just sort of tries to establish this relationship between the younger criminal and the older criminal that's mm-hmm. never fully established. Just a bunch of things happen that are enjoyable and fun. Yeah. And then the second hour where there would be assassins from the former gang catch up with them and are convinced that it's not Clint Eastwood's fault and therefore agree to join him on a bank heist. Right. All right. These are the two sides of that film. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to say this also. This not unlike our second movie. This movie. This movie. 
I would say this movie does a better job of flirting with being a little boring sometimes, yep. as opposed to the second one we're going to talk about, which we'll talk about. In I a might end up disagreeing with you on that. Well, okay, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But 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 uh, Chimino, Mr. Chimino, Chimino, I think he really he directs at a really with a really interesting pace. Mm-hmm. It's very different from most other directors, I, and I, you can see it across both these movies. And it's interesting that he didn't do many films. My guess, yeah, yeah. I wonder why. Don't know enough about him to be able to say that. It's an interesting yeah. question, I suppose. It's, you know what people? That, that, that's where were the, we a the different podcast? part of this fucking podcast. <laughs> well, that actually, if where were the important cinema club? We would have a couple of pages of answers, but we don't do that here. So they've already done this one. Sons of bitches. <laughs> um, fucking Canadians. Yeah. Build a wall up there. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Mm, so send your poutine over. So, uh, where poutine, were we? Poutine lost me there. So, so <laughs> we. Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, look. First of all, I, I want to say this. What I do really appreciate about this film is that it it um, it wants to let loose with real profane fun yeah. when it does. Right. And so it's like you have an yeah. early scene where mm-hmm. um, uh, Jeff Bridges and, and Clint Eastwood nail a couple of local floozies. Yes. <laughs> I don't floozies know. Is the way, like, I, does anybody ever get laid like that? I don't know. It's pretty awesome. No. Maybe just not. You don't. <laughs> Certainly not. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and, uh, you know, it's got your sort of prerequisite, like nudity, early seventies, sort of like, uh, uh, boobies bouncing around. Yeah. Um, it's got, um, Jeff Bridges just constantly getting laid by looking at a woman across yes, the street. Right, <laughs> right. That's what I'm talking about, by the way. They're yeah. rolling around in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got and, and uh, him negging the shit out of him it, before we knew what that word was. Uh huh. It, yeah. it reminds me of the man who loves cat dancing in that, like you have this um, rapey vibe. Well, there's rapey vibe, but like you remember Jack Warden, who I always know is a pretty nice guy in movies, was just such a fucking rapey asshole in the man who loved cat dancing, mm-hmm. and George Kennedy, who who I don't associate with as nice, usually is nicer in movies, and he is just a fucking killjoy prick. He's kind movie. of rotten, yeah. He's not great. Now, now, that being said, I still think maybe the best George Kennedy moment of all time, uh-huh. oh, Lucille, come on, from- uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Cool hand, Luke. Cool hand, Luke. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what can I say about this this movie? I mean, it's it's, it's super enjoyable. The cinematography is bursting in early seventies oh. um, colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it has. I agree with you that the pacing is kind of interesting because it has moments. I mean, for instance, part of the plot is that when the the four, you know, the, the Eastwood, Bridges, George Kennedy, and, and some other guys, some other fourth guy, all join the John Casal of this movie to, to stay in. Um, in, in Montana and and re-rip off the an same. armory mm-hmm. that had been ripped off decades before by two of them or right. three of them, um, that the, they come to the conclusion that they're not going to be able to unless until they have more capital for the venture. So they all get jobs right. around town. So it's like a 20-minute sort of segment where one of them is <laughs> an ice cream truck <laughs> operator. Right, right, right. And another right. one's like a welder yeah. or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it felt actually normally in in the hands of many other writers and directors that would feel like just a failed portion of the film. It felt kind of amusing. Yep. I was amused by Chimino. I'm gonna go. I, I gotta say this about this movie. Uh, this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. No. The only reason I honestly, the only reason I would um, recommend this movie that I could mm-hmm. think of would be to see a couple of reasons. I would say go see a young uh, go go see a young uh, the the dude. Go see that. You 
Are you talking about, you forgot his name, Jeff Bridges? Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yep. no, I didn't forget his name. I was just going to like yeah. go see that. Okay, go that see, uh, go see uh, Clint Eastwood when he was relevant. And really, if you just want to, if you want to see a movie that would, if you were like are curious about what it would be like to watch a movie mm-hmm. at a drive-in, this is a movie you can sit at home and sort of get the feel of a drive-in movie. Hmm. It's just got that same. Very good it's reason. got that same quality going. No, you're right. It's not a very good reason. I can't. I'm having a hard time thinking of why to recommend this movie. It's okay. It's you know, not it's a waste a, of. It's not an insane waste of your time to do it. But I don't know why to recommend it. Yeah, it's just an interesting pairing. It yeah. also has a Howard from Mayberry RFD in um, a weird role as a parent who has to walk in and witness his daughter. Who was obviously fucking the neighbor boy now tied to the neighbor boy in, because he's been in one of the in one of the better examples of nudity in this film, I must point out. And rapiness. Yeah, all at the same time. Now, that being said, <laughs> that also, being said. also, and I almost forgot about this, baby Gary Busey. Go catch him. That's right. And um fuck. I forgot who there's a few people. Oh, tell you, uh, uh Vic Tabak. Vic Tabak, yes, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He is in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Couple of malice, get in here. Sounds just like they need to be. Yep. <laughs> okay. So look, that's All right. uh, the thing is we had to talk about two films by Mr. Chimino, and so we just did. That right. was uh, we paid the price. Right. Yeah. To talk about the second one. To talk about the second, <laughs> which is 1978's The Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter, the Deer Hunter is like a a, a a movie that could almost be its own episode. I mean, like, mm-hmm. um, the thing that <laughs> Not okay, according to our rules, but yes. You're okay, right. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'm gonna say this about The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agreed to watch it again because I thought okay. Like, that's an important film, right? Yes. And it, it's an important film to watch. Now, what I remembered from The Deer Hunter was this, that it was a movie that was so boring that what you did was you just fast-forwarded to the points that everyone remembers, which is like the Russian roulette scene. Right, right. I am a 180, a complete convert on the value of this film from start to fucking finish, huh. mostly. Okay. Like I have some criticism, certainly. Like okay, some very right. glaring ones, actually. <laughs> all right. But having said that, I think this is a beautiful film. I do too. All I think the way it's, through. It's a. It's yeah. It. It. I agree. It is. It has like. It has this quality though, which is this. If you res, if you don't like it and you resent it, I kind of get it. I understand why that would be. I think it's a bummer that that would be the case. Might be a movie you have to be in the mood for too. Be in the Ooh. like girded yourself to yeah, watch it. You gotta, yeah, gird your loins appropriately. Mm. Loin girdling. Mm. But I would mm-hmm. say that I would say that it's oh, this has a lot in common for yeah. me with um, Apocalypse Now, in that it's a movie I better appreciate when I have some distance from the last time I saw the fucking thing. Yes, they were made close because it's not easy. Yeah, but it's not easy. So different. Apocalypse Now is an this abstract, year. ethereal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's you could say lots of things about it as an adaptation, weirdly from a Joseph Conrad novel or novella. The Deer Hunter actually, in some ways, like it's also a film that has parts, right? Mm-hmm. And Ooh, like, boy, I think I think the the less mature me, mm-hmm. in like when I was like twenty three or something, and first saw this film, um, wanted it to be just jam packed with the Vietnam stuff, right? And what what I actually feel about this film now yeah, is it, yeah. it actually has a Thornton Wilder feel to yeah. it in a weird way. It has a little bit of our town. Yeah, and in some ways, what's our town about it really, really is beautiful and works. It also is where some of the failings come in. So, like, um, uh, we're Chimino, talking about the wedding, right? Not just the wedding. So, I mean, it starts with the idea that that um, John Savage, a young John Savage, mm-hmm. is is um, going to be married that night. Everyone's getting off from the steel mill or whatever it is in in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Um, <laughs> whatever the fuck I don't know die and cast molten factory mm-hmm. you, okay you have on. to wear a helmet yeah 
Um, helmet they're, job. They're getting off work, and there's going to be a, an evening wedding. Right. And it's John Savage. And it's revealed, this really neat little thing is sort of revealed about his true relationship with the bride, who's also pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and you have a young, um, just off of Annie Hall, um, Christopher Walken. Yes. Um, before Who he, I thought was fucking, what's his name? You thought that, yeah. So somehow I thought that was that was. Uh, you what? thought that was James Wood. James Wood, yeah. Um, ah, I'm an idiot. Uh, um, um, uh, one of your favorite actors, Doctor Afternoon. Uh, uh, Dr. John Casal. John Casal. I fucking love that isn't guy. It? Um, uh, he's uh, just unlikable in this fucking movie. He's by the way dying during this movie as well. Yeah, um, and also um, uh, the love of Meryl Streep's life, who's in this movie um, as um, uh, Christopher Walken's girlfriend. Some, yeah, he's Christopher Walken at the same time. De Niro, who's also in this movie, has and, got and a, has got a torch for her. He's got a torch for her. De Niro is. In very much in the like, why De Niro is great seventies De Niro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, um, the peak of, of his peak of his power, kind so of this frosted be... hair, you know, goatee. I mean, that he was Travis Bickle two years before. This is like, this is why he's fucking great. This, yeah, this I think this movie might be the peak of his acting. It might be. It's, he, it's, he is it's tremendous. Yeah, in this movie. Is, but yeah, but uh, by the way, so is everyone. Just Walken about. does a great job. Everybody does a great job. Even uh, Savage. Yeah, I mean, like it's not. Yeah. I don't know that there's a weak uh, performance in this movie. Oh, well, some, some of the uh, some of the uh, Vietnamese guys not so great. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind to say. <laughs> um, they are. I guess they are. In fact, um, Russian. Well, that's it. Yeah. They're, no. Okay. So they're they're part of this uh, coal community in uh, I guess West Virginia or something yeah, yeah. like that. No, no, no. It's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That's right. Pennsylvania. And, and or steel community. Uh, and they're definitely all descendants of Russians because everything yeah. they do is Russian. Right. I have to say, this is actually one of my weaknesses in life. I have a weakness for two types of obscure music: Russian folk music and bagpipes. Something about oh, okay. those things I kind of dig. Well, there's a beautiful, so, beautiful scene where their friend and I forget the actor's name, kind of a chubby guy. He was also in Once Upon a Time in America. Mm-hmm. Um, plays a nocturne by Chopin, and they all sort of gather around. Yeah. And that's that's where the this arc... This area moves, uses music really well, I think. Uh, well, that's that type of thing is where the art, the, the art townishness mm-hmm. of these sections actually work. Right. It's like they the, the fact that they are like these sort of fuckers who drink and you know uh, uh, yeah. grab each other's balls and all this sort of stuff and but also can can right. be drunk enough to gather on the piano while one of their friends plays Chopin it would and, be uh, easy enough to present them as all American stereotype yep. typical boys but these moments like you say bring in a, bring in a, a, another bring in another level a layer and a humanity to the characters it, that makes them stick I, I would say one of the things later on that I like about um, Tarantino mm. as a writer I, I you know he's often praised I, I recently heard an uh, an obviously old interview with Harvey Weinstein talking about Tarantino. <laughs> oh, come on, Joe. It came out two weeks ago. <laughs> we were sitting there together having coffee. It was in Forgiveness Magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, uh, never mind. Um, we, uh, is his, his ability to, to write beautifully mundane dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's some of that in here, too. Like, the whole thing, they go out after the, the wedding to, to go hunting. It's one of their favorite things. Three of them are going off to Vietnam. One last hunt to, to go um, shoot a buck. Um, and uh, Kazal has not, he's too drunk, hungover. He hasn't brought any boots or equipment. <laughs> he's utterly and unequipped to do this. refuses to lend him his extra boots. And it goes on for about 10 minutes, but it's actually this great piece yeah. of dialogue and shows like the relationship all these guys have. Right. And that's, because the others are being codependent and trying to get him to, ah, come on, you want to do it, you know. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, so all of that stuff is what I really, really like about the non Vietnam parts of this movie. And mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the, the first act where, before they go off to war. Where I think I could sort of criticize it, 
the, the whole sort of our town-ish of it is this. Um, uh, uh, Christopher Walken uh, announces that he loves this town and will never really wants to leave and always will come back. Okay, foreshadowing much. Uh, John Savage is a beautiful, beautiful dancer. Boy, can he use those right. legs. I mean, it's just sort of like um, um, De Niro mm. is the crazy one. And it's sort of like, he's oh, also, do you think, but he's, but he's do you think also, war will change these boys? Right, you know, but he's also like, the guy who thinks that hunting is spiritual and he goes hunting for deer. That's why yeah. it's called the deer hunter. Yeah. He goes hunting for deer with a spiritual approach. Like this is the Native Americans pass this down to my Russian ancestors, or right. something. In any event, but yeah, but who has that 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 Zen-like approach to hunting, which then yeah. he's not able to recapture after the war. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I mean, they're, there they're, are they're some all... weaknesses for sure. But yeah. the, when I first saw this movie, my impatience with the whole you know first act before they get Vietnam was like, oh, come on. And now I realize I just needed to maybe be a little older, older to really get like how beautiful all those little moments were. Right, and including by the way, Meryl Streep, who also. You understand, <laughs> that's Meryl why Street she's still. fucking amazing, is that she, she's, still she's so Street. subtle. Yeah. She's so subtle in yeah. her acting, yeah. and it is brilliant yeah. acting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to act two, which is the Vietnamese. Diddy Mouse! Oh, I think is the word. I don't want to do a blow-by-blow of that first, or nearly first, sort of scene where they're captured by the North Vietnamese, but suffice to say, it is, I already know how it turns out, and I'm angry impatient as it's going Upset. on it is a, a very very upsetting oh yeah absolutely aspect it, it, of the, the world thing about it is it's so upsetting that the unlikeliness of it just completely goes over your fucking head you don't even notice it because it's not like they were because okay so they go off to vietnam right mm-hmm. john savage uh and christopher uh, walken, christopher walken are in the same unit What's uh, De Niro is his, he's a he's not in the same unit. He moves on. He's in another unit. But they still all get captured. I thought he, the, the same time, same place. And I thought that he'd been lost. No, he was in special forces. They were they were still they were airborne rangers, and he had moved on to special forces. This is where not being very manly helps me out because I'm just like I don't know the soldiers. They found each other. They look like they won lemonade, right, Joe? Come on. So there's a, there's a whole sort of sense of like I mean in this way it resembles parts of like Bridge on the River Kwai. It's sort of like you know escape. Oh yeah. Go through the jungle. And then get back to the to you know America, the world. The idea is to rehabilitate yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, what what Chimino is exploring also is the colonization of Vietnam by the French, because yeah. because Hanoi and or where Ho Chi Minh City, whatever I guess Hanoi at the time, has become a, 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 the it's seven a, circles of hell. It's an extended whorehouse. My understanding is that 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 representation of of uh, of Saigon was reasonably was reasonably what it was like mm. it was this it was it was it was a place whose economy collapsed and suddenly was filled with army guys with dollars uh. and so it just it, 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 the, the economy I don't know that I don't know if it's ever fully recovered back to maybe what it was before that or something like yeah. that anyways but yeah but but he yeah that's it's yeah fascinating so it's and, like, again the colonization and the effects of that on a larger scale so so you have John Savage who who comes back um, you know, emotionally broken, but also you know, essentially losing his legs, physically missing his legs. Yeah, um, we 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 get De Niro, who's clearly changed, who's yeah. clearly damaged, but but actually damaged in a different way. He's come through the other side. In some ways, weirdly, the war has made him a better person. Right. Yeah. Um, it's made him sort of more able to sort of um, suss out the human emotions he deals with. Yeah. And then we have Walken, who was probably the most likable and most sane in the beginning, right. taking this wild turn. Yeah. In, in his life. Mm-hmm. And it's about you know um, um, 
De Niro coming back to the Pennsylvania town, Savage coming back to the VA hospital, not wanting to come back to his life, right. and then Christopher Walken sort of being lost out there. And that third act is all about reconciliation. The, the, the reconciliation, redemption to yeah. a certain degree, yeah. and, and attempting to redefine what normal could be, yeah. I suppose, for the ones that can. It's interesting because it's one of the first time, and this is you know an interesting area, which is why we probably should do an episode on Vietnam films, like point blank at some point, mm-hmm. because you know you have um, during during World War II and just after everything's like sort of back to baton, yeah. a, a reinforcement of American the, patriotism and values, which kind of was the original uh, sort of uh, the, the the attraction towards the green John Wayne's The Green Berets. Because that would have made a fucking. He that was still doing it. That's exactly. He was on a press tour for that, where where he has that famous um, thing where he's talking about Vietnam protesters, and he uses the phrase, "This is getting to be re goddamn ridiculous." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so he's sort of nineteen during oh, he's the Vietnam jingoistic War. motherfucker right. during the Vietnam War. But he's I'm the talk- unapologetic. I'm talking about. Um, so the war officially ends in seventy five. That's <laughs> that's the sort of official leaving, you know. But that was the very end of that war where we fucking left um, the people in the good hands of the Kamal Rouge. Um, but but the um, so within five years, mm-hmm. you're in, maybe six. You're getting films like Coming Home, The Deer Hunter, a few yeah. years later, uh, The Killing Fields. Mm-hmm. Within eleven or twelve years, Rambo. Platoon, right. Platoon, which is the one that really fucking awakened people. Right. Yeah, I mean, Rambo. But at the same time, let's not lose, let's not lose track of the Rambo series as well, because that was another, that's another take on the Vietnam experience. But, it, but it's one that's more generous. It's one that's more likely. Rambo is almost like, how'd you lead us, an you ap- motherfucker? But apologetic, yeah. It's, a, well, it's like an apologist a, fucking Rambo's, Rambo's a little, it's a half and half. It's a com- Rambo's a combination um, back to baton or the flying leathernecks, mm-hmm. and the best years of our lives. Because okay. it's still generous to America. It says yeah. this, you were good to do it, but think of the poor guys and what they lost in doing it. Right, right, right. And, and let's, but let, I should probably back up and say there's a difference between Rambo 1 and the others. Fair That's a huge difference but, in the But movie. going all the way to Platoon, The mm-hmm. Killing Fields, and this one, it's not saying, it's not even anti Vietnam War. It's just saying, hold on, let's really just look at what it was. Right. Without the fucking Patriot. Yeah, and just like, an attempt to be honest about it was very difficult. And the way it ends, I think, was kind of brave. And as mm-hmm. corny as it is, they all end up singing, or some who are left, who are yeah. survived the situation, left singing God Bless America. Right. And it's sort of like, it's it actually is the opposite of corny. It's like, that's what they have to do in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and not even ironically, not sarcastically. God bless us, not ironically. Isn't that nice? Oh, it's actually kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated the way that he ended with a freeze frame. It's almost like an episode of Chips, where people start laughing and you freeze frame them mid laugh so you can end the episode. Well, yeah, but um, beyond that, yeah, I would Chimino say that, didn't always make the perfect choice. I give this nine out of ten. Yeah, I, I think I think he was Chimino was a little steeped in some conventions like foreshadowing that right. he didn't need to do, but mm-hmm. God. Damn, this is a good movie. A long movie. Now, I guess my question is, is this a good movie because of Chimino or despite Chimino? And uh, it's hard to say. Oh, I, I mean, it might say. just be the... Because it, it, I, I think it's more the screenplay than the director, maybe. But I, but I, here's where we get to go back to Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, and, and even though that's not a great mm-hmm. film, and, and look at like how that film 
was different from other Clint Eastwood films by virtue of Chimino in the pacing that you mentioned. Yeah. And I think the pacing is actually the first thing I didn't like about this film when I first saw it is the yeah. thing that makes it's it slow. marvelous. It's slow. Yeah. It is slow at times. Yeah. But, I, yeah, again, you might be right. You might just need to might be older be. to be... And I know it almost never happens again. Yeah. But um, but I think there, there is something about being older and, and realizing that sometimes a movie ought to be slow and that's quite okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is one of them. You know, uh, uh, um, uh, think about uh, De Niro. So it's like 74, on, you got the on, Godfather. Hold on, hold on, think about All right, it. I'm thinking, go. You looking at me? He's got 74, he's got the Godfather. In 76, he has a movie called 1900, which we have to explore. He and G- uh, Gerard Depardieu, um, also Donald Sutherland, also Burt Lancaster, um, half in Italian. Mamma yeah. mia. <laughs> okay. Wait, 1900? Remember, we talked about this with um, Harry Northup. It's called 1900, and it actually... Um, that, that, that he did Taxi Driver just after 1900, but he had had to learn Italian to go over and do, fucking De Niro, man, learns Italian to go over to Italy to do 1900, then come back and do this little film called Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got The Deer Hunter. Um, he's just around the corner, got a movie that we disagree on, but I think is a masterpiece, Raging Bull. Um, I would think the only film in here that I'm not crazy about in this whole era of, of De Niro is um, a movie called New York, New York, with Liza Minnelli and he. <laughs> Would say no more. Well, I've never seen it. Directed I don't, by I don't Martin like Scorsese. It. Really? Yeah. Well, Scorsese's, just, he, Scorsese's taking some bad, some runny shit. I'm sorry that you don't like him, but Mr. Scorsese, <laughs> if you're hearing this for some reason, like you, you've crashed your Jeep uh, and it's, uh, look, it's look, pinning look, you look, down. Look, and, look, Marty baby. Marty baby. <laughs> and for some reason, signals are sending it to I'm your radio accidentally. Not, it's not perfect. I mean, he's done, but then again, you know, never mind. That's beside the point. All right. Anyway, so um, it's easy. But I guess what I'm getting at is it's easy to go like, well, fucking Streep, De Niro, he's savage. Of course this is brilliant. Yes, yes, of course they are brilliant. But I think I think Jimino had a deft hand in this. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Tommy, do you have anything you'd like to plug, sir? Um, not at the moment, actually. My website is a, is is now a work in progress again. Mm-hmm. So that's off the slates. But, you know, just check Wait, us your out. your website's down? Yeah, I put it down for a moment. Uh, basically, in other words, I need to get some money to him. But <laughs> shut the fuck up. Let's not make too much out of it. <laughs> you are a disaster. You're man. a disaster. <laughs> Don't fucking talk to me about disasters. Anyways, please, uh, speaking of disasters, come check us out on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, uh, and join us there. And, and Rate reviews on iTunes, please. Oh, yeah, please. Rate and send us a fucking email because I actually, we need to read some. We've gotten some good emails, some oh. really, really sharp, sharp emails uh, criticizing you, man. And you can send it to Finley's no, on film at gmail.com. Like, what's that stone? Muttering fuck doing on the uh, doing on your podcast, Mr. Voth.